Welcome, everyone, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz. I want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. Thank you for tuning in. Just a reminder, if you do want to be a part of our live audience, you can catch us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, every night, usually around 9.30. I hope everyone is doing well. If this is your first time tuning in and want more information about our show, please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. You can see all of our upcoming guests, prior guests, featured episodes, all of our social media links, and a whole bunch more. I hope everyone had a great weekend. I want to say a big thank you and a welcome to all of our moderators across all of our platforms. We have Saz, of course, Khaleesi, Marie on uh, Instagram. And tonight we are going to be talking about Here's Negan, and we have a lot to talk about. Uh, first off, let me just welcome some of our viewers as soon as I get this cord unwrapped here. Let's see, we have Lisa who's joining us on Facebook. Philip is also with us. Christopher is with us on YouTube. Welcome to CC Weezy. Thermosol is joining us. Uh, GFMC2070 is with us on Instagram, official MX, saying here is Negan. Uh, also wants to know, did I like here's Negan? Uh, or, do, yeah, yeah, asking me if I liked the episode. In short, I love the episode. And we're going to dive into it tonight and talk about it thoroughly. And uh, let's just start from how the episode really starts. Uh, when it goes into that flashback scene. Yeah, in the beginning we see Carol taking Negan on a, you know, supposed walk. She's the one that exiles him. Uh, that's the variation in the comic books. Uh She's the one who, of course, in her own Carol way, which is how we all know she likes to do it, there was no council vote, you know. She's the one who took it upon herself to... She's trying to correct every mistake that she can possibly try to fix, whether it's her mistake or not. And she thought she'd be doing some good by exiling Negan to that old shack, and we'll get to that in a bit and how that all worked out. Let's go to the timeline. I found it very interesting that production put the exact amount of years we're going back. Uh, I don't think I remember ever them. Maybe they've seen them do it maybe once or twice before on The Walking Dead. But they gave us 12 years back. Okay. First of all, that sort of backs me up on how all these articles that we have been reading have been saying that we're 10 years into the apocalypse. And I'm like, no. And you're never going to get an accurate answer because the show always keeps you off balance. And depending on which references you use, for me, I think we're somewhere around 15 to 17 years into the zombie apocalypse, but definitely not 10, even though that's what the, uh, the majority of the media outlets have been saying is that we are 10 years into the apocalypse. I'm like, that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So here's Negan. As soon as the flashback starts, we go 12 years back and they're in the middle of the apocalypse. Okay. They are smack dab right in the middle of it. 
based on the clues that we got in Here's Negan and the flashback within a flashback when uh, they're 12 years behind and then they go back to before the apocalypse or as the apocalypse is breaking out. If you remember that scene where Lucille realizes that Negan is having an affair with her best friend the day that she gets her cancer diagnosis. Uh, I'm sure you guys uh, noticed that on the uh, car radio, as she's pulling away from the doctor's office, there were reports of people being infected trying to eat other people. So that was the beginning of the apocalypse. Now, we don't know how much time passed between the day that Lucille found out that Negan was having an affair to when she tells him about it, you know, which is 12 years prior to where we are now. But it can't be that long. I mean, cancer does not uh, usually... Once you get a diagnosis, and her diagnosis was really grim, she had a chance to beat it if the world did not fall apart, and maybe if she continued chemotherapy, which is what they were trying to do throughout the episode, as we saw. So maybe at a year, it could be anywhere between six months to up to two years from the time she got her diagnosis to when we see them 12 years prior to where we are now. That's my best guess. Uh, could be a little less, could be a little more, but I'm thinking anywhere between six months to one year. And I realize now that the show is doing this on purpose. They don't want us to get a exact estimate of how far into the apocalypse we are. And I think they're doing it for a particular reason. And that reason was actually touched upon in Here's Negan. When, uh, you know, Lucille says something to the effect, or it's his birthday, and gives him the jacket, and he's like, wait, you actually know what day it is? That's a big tip. I think that's a big clue. And they're trying to give us, they don't know how far along they are into the apocalypse. They probably have a guess. They absolutely have no idea what day of the week it is or anything like that. The only thing they know is when the sun's up, it's daytime. When the sun's down, it's nighttime. Other than that, any sense of a calendar whatsoever is completely lost. And I think the production team of The Walking Dead uh, wants us to feel the same way. And that's why they are never going to give us a solid answer of how far along into the apocalypse they are actually in, into, how many years have actually passed. That's my opinion, okay? And seeing here's Negan and how that played out with the references, with her leaving the doctor's clinic, the zombie apocalypse starting, uh, Negan's reference about, you know, telling her you know what day it is. So... Anyway, the bottom line is it's a lot more than 10 years. Now, moving on into the episode itself, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. One of the best uh, Walking Dead episodes that we have had. 
And it also marks the official end of season 10 that has lasted two years. Yeah, season 10 had a A, B, and a C. If you guys remember, season 9 ended uh, almost exactly two years ago. That's when season 9 ended. So we had, we've had two years of season 10 because of the pandemic, the delay that caused them to give us episode 16. Uh, but if it wasn't for the pandemic, more than likely we would have not have gotten the six episodes. Out of the six episodes that we did get, I have a feeling one way or another, whether it be on The Walking Dead, season 11, or in one of the spinoff shows, we were going to get the information that we got yesterday in regards to Negan's background. All right, that was going to be given to us in some way, shape, or form. Uh, it just we might have gotten it a little bit sooner than what the original plan was. They did end up giving us the six bonus episodes because of the COVID pandemic, and of course, they saved the best one for last. And we got to see Negan's backstory uh, yesterday. Now, another thing I want to mention is we have have there's still a lot more to his backstory that can be told all right and i want to give them a hats off for bringing back laura lindsley register when i saw her on sunday i was so happy that they brought her back you know i sent her a message uh i'm like i'm so it is so awesome to see you back on the walking dead again uh, and it was really great that they brought her back and to realize that she was one of the first people besides Lucille, obviously, that Negan really interacted in the post-apocalyptic world says a lot about their relationship uh, moving forward. And, you know, if you guys remember, Laura was the one that ratted out Dwight. Now, there's a lot of talk as to why they did not bring Dwight back. Uh, Dwight's on Fear of the Walking Dead. He's busy, and what has been busy, uh, since, you know, early fall, shooting Fear of the Walking Dead. They're, they're shooting season seven now of Fear of the Walking Dead. So, scheduling-wise, it was not a possibility. And also, I don't think, uh, Negan, and, uh, I don't think he met Dwight and Sherry, Till well after he took over the sanctuary, the saviors were well established. Uh, Dwight was not in Negan's sphere from the very beginning, or else those two would have probably had a much different relationship. Now, what's seeing that uh, Laura was one of the first people that Negan met uh, after Lucille died. It, it sort of a, answers a lot of, not a lot, but it answers some questions into the relationship those two had during the whole Savior arc. We never really saw them interact that much. Uh, he left her alone. Now we sort of know why. She did not really question him. He ended up saving her life. Who knows what those guys would have done to her if he didn't show up 
when they first met to save her. Uh, so it does answer quite a few questions in regards to that. But there was some rumblings I saw out there as I was gathering the news stories and the reviews that we're going to go over today as to why they didn't bring Dwight back. Logistically, it just it was not possible with the scheduling. Both shows were filming at the same time. So let me just see what you guys are saying. Um, uh, Samoth, want to welcome Samoth87, who's with us on YouTube, saying, here's Negan, best episode of the six bonus episodes. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I think we all knew it was going to be even before we ever saw it. Uh, Lisa on Facebook writes, it was neat that Laura gave him the bat. That is a neat, you know, we got Lucille's, the bat, the backstory. We saw how Negan first got the bat, and we saw him put her to rest. Now, personally, I didn't think it was important whatsoever if we actually saw that original bat ever again. And you guys who have been watching have heard me say that many times. It's just somewhere out there in the woods. It's insignificant. But a lot of fans were really curious and wanted to see him back with the original bat. And you guys got it. You got it. You got it in yesterday's episode. Negan does reunite with uh, the original Lucille Bat. Of course, over time, that thing has become decrepit. And it has just enough in her for good old Lucille the Bat to take out one last walker. And Lucille suffers the same tragic fate that... Lucille the Bat suffered in the comic books. Two different scenarios. Roughly at the end of the Whisperer War, that's when in the comic books, Lucille shatters. Uh, when Negan is given the Bat back, when they're battling uh, the Whisperers, I believe at Oceanside, and Lucille breaks in half. And it's still after the Whisperer War, just soon after the Whisperer War. Now, and he found it, and she had just enough in her to take out one more walker for him. And at the end of the episode, we, for those of you that were really wondering what happened to the original Lucille, I hope that gave you closure, all right? He burned her. He wrapped her up, burning her, and I think that was very symbolic for him to do that. Uh, officially closing out that chapter, which included the saviors. But I think it was his way, because he was, he was holding on to the memory of his wife for over 12 years. And it's been a driving force for him to do good. Uh, it's been a driving force for him to do a lot of evil. And by him burning that bat, it was symbolic that not only is he putting that part of him aside forever, but he also let go of his wife. He let go of Lucille. In the episode, she tells him and he confirms that he will continue fighting for the both of them. And I don't think 
how he did it is what she intended and what she meant. But right after his de- her death and the way she died, him being kidnapped by those marauders who were just looking for the stash of where he got the chemotherapy drugs. Uh, and we saw the Negan that we met at the end of season six and how he came to be. Uh, it's amazing. He went from a person that was not even willing to kill a walker. All right. Just think about that for a second. Go back and remember the Negan that we saw throughout all of season seven and season eight. This is the same guy who gutted Spencer right there in the middle of the street. Literally gutted him right there in the middle of the street. He bashed Abraham and Glenn's brains out. And this is the same person who, while his wife was alive, could not even bring himself to kill a walker. And if it wasn't for Lucille coming out, when he did go out there to try try to take care of that walker that was outside of their house, he almost got his ass handed to him if she had not stepped out there with a gun and took it, taken out that walker. So, uh, yeah, I mean, wow, what a transformation this guy went to. And it just goes to show you the effect that his actions of cheating on her, uh, watching her, you know, coming back weeks later and uh, her leaving that note on the door, basically saying, don't leave me this way. She tied, she zip tied one hand to the bed, put a bag over her head and uh, she turned. Now, what do you guys think? Do you think she, well, she obviously could not have put the bag on after she reanimated. So obviously that's not a possibility. You guys think she committed suicide? Uh, like she could have held on for a while longer. Suicide is not the right word. I, I don't know what is the right word. But do you think she was just suffering so much that she ended it on her own? And uh, she did not have any more bullets. They made it a, a point when she took out that walker with the gun to let us know that that was their last bullet. So like her committing suicide by shooting herself in the head, that was not an option. You know, she could have done it the way that good old Earl did it uh, when the Whisperers attacked Hilltop and he fled with the kids and he tried to do it without a gun by, uh, you know, putting that nail on the table and tried smashing his head in with it. That did not work out. Uh, and he, that did not work out for him to not turn. Uh, Lisa writes, she took pills and then put the bag over her head. Yeah, that's, that's the most plausible answer. We did see those open pill bottles next to her bed. And, uh... I mean, maybe she wanted to make sure that she went. Did she put the bag over her head to make sure that when Negan came back, she did not bite him? You know, that's that's the plausible answer for me. So she might have uh, taken enough pills to make sure that she it was going to kill her. 
and she drifted off to sleep. And before she did, she put the bag over her head. The drugs or the suffocation, you assume the suffocation kicked in a lot quicker than the drugs did. But either way, she probably put that bag over her head that when Negan did return and found her that way, that she was not going to kill him. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Uh, Teresa is with us on Facebook saying she did it on the day he left. I feel she had already given up. She just wanted him there with her, but Negan can give. Yeah, yeah, she was begging him. Don't go. But he couldn't do it. He couldn't just give up. He couldn't just spend uh, whatever time they had left together. Uh, and personally, I think it was because of guilt. Because he cheated with her best friend, Janine, that he was not going to give up on her. He just was not going to give up on her. Uh, even though she was begging him to just stay with her. And going back to the very beginning of the episode, when Carol and Negan are walking to what, you know, Carol assumes will be his exiled home, uh, you guys remember Negan asked Carol uh, if she could sort of smooth the way between himself and Maggie. And I don't think he still realizes uh, or just doesn't want to admit to himself that he, this guy smashed her husband's head to pudding right in front of her. There is no forgiveness for that. No matter what you do. Uh, Carol understands it. Everybody else understands it. Daryl is conflicted. He actually knows that he did change. But still, you just cannot put stuff like that in the back of your mind and just move on. It just doesn't work that way. And I found it very funny that Negan was asking Carol for him to, for her to smooth, try to get the ball rolling to smooth things out between himself and Maggie. That also shows us a little bit of he's being a little bit naive and not fully grasping. There is no forgiveness there. You killed the father of her son. You killed her husband. Uh, you killed Abraham. You murdered uh, a whole bunch of other people along the way as well. Uh, a lot of her friends died because of him. Sasha, I mean, the list is huge. The casualties that are directly attributed to Negan. And he's just walking along with Carol that just because six, seven years have passed, hey, can you try smoothing things over? So... That was him as they were heading into the cabin. And then, of course, we got the whole flashback sequence, right? Now, my favorite part of the whole episode was actually the final few seconds, all right? When he comes strolling back to Alexandria with that good old Negan swagger of his. Uh, up until then, he's been looking towards Maggie with, you know, looks of trepidation, 
frustration, sometimes even anger. Like he knew a confrontation was coming. Let's get it over with. You know, I'm, I'm sick of this. Uh, but he was playing it like whatever's going to happen to me, I deserve. And I'm, I just want to get it over with. When he comes strolling back to Alexandria after spending the night on his own, finding Lucille, remembering the events of what happened between him and his wife, he's got that good old Negan swagger back. And, uh, you know, Carol, <laughs> that look on Maggie's face, uh, seeing him stroll back into Alexandria with his swagger, and him giving her that little smile as he walked past her, I like that. <laughs> For me, that was the best part of the... I mean, the, the whole episode was amazing, but I'm like, right on, you know? If you're going to go out, if she's going to kill you, you know, even considering all the horrible things you've done, at least go out standing on your feet. Okay, and I think that's the attitude he took on. Uh, he knows he's a different person. He knows who he was uh, before the world went to hell. He was just a gym teacher, and he knows what he became, and he knows who he is now. So he finally got it. He's like, no, I do not accept being exiled over here. I'd rather die you know, going back to Alexandria, but I'm not going to spend my the rest of my time in this cabin by myself. And I give them props for that. I loved it. I loved how they wrapped up that episode. It was the perfect ending to a great season that we got over two years on The Walking Dead. Uh, Teresa on Facebook writes, I love that interaction too. His look, his look said, let's get this rolling. And I love the comment he made to Carol, you know. <laughs> he told her, you know, my things are back in the cabin. Can you send someone to pick them up for me? <laughs> I love that. Uh, I totally, totally love that. Okay, let's see what the people on Instagram are saying. Of course, the people on Instagram want to join the live stream. Carol ass, Carol ass, that's, that's an awesome name, says, I completely agree with you, um, to all the people asking to join the live stream, two answers, first one is no, second is, even if I wanted to, I technically can't, the way I'm streaming to five different services, so, don't take it personally, but no. Uh, Mandy writes, I personally did not like how Lucille died. She seemed braver than to take her own life in that way. Yeah, you know, you know, I see where you're going, Mandy. She gave up. She gave up. But for us to pass judgment on her, uh, not knowing the suffering she was going through, it was Negan that kept her going. Once he decided to leave, and, uh, you know, even though she was begging him to stay, uh, that part of her that was keeping her going left. 
she didn't know if he was coming back or not. And if he was coming back, how long he would be. I think it was he was gone for like six weeks. Six weeks he was gone. And yeah, uh, you know, you know, uh, Teresa, I believe, mentioned that uh, she took her own life right after he left. Very well could be the case. She could have waited a little bit, but I don't think she waited that long to do it. Uh, so I don't really want to pass judgment on the character because it's kind of hard to put ourselves in her shoes and to experience what's been go what's going on around her. The world has completely fallen apart. Civilization as she knew it is gone. Uh, she is dying from cancer. The last hope she had of beating this thing in the remaining chemotherapy drugs uh, went bad. So what hope did she really have? Was It was Negan. And he did not listen to her. He got up and left. So I'm not going to pass judgment on her. Uh, but I totally see your point, Mandy. I totally see it as well. Yours is also with us on Instagram. Welcome. Uh, just looking up to the chats. I love the floating love hearts on Instagram. Thank you, guys. Uh, Teresa also writes on Facebook. We had no clue what she was going through. Absolutely. Khaleesi writes, it was six weeks, and I completely understand why she did it. Now, going on to the media. Of course, as a complete opposite from the prior episode, which the uh, media pretty much hated with Daryl and Carol, Carol with the rat and, you know, Daryl on his own trying to fix his bike. I knew it was a big setup to the Here's Negan episode, but all the headlines, they loved the episode last night. They all, every headline that I came across pretty much gave it rave reviews so let's just go over some of them and uh, see what they basically all had to say. Of course, there were a ton of articles, but let's see what we got. And here's Hillary Burton, Morgan, just before in the flashback from the flashback to when they go back to the uh, as the world is falling apart. So let's go ahead with this one. The Walking Dead Season 10 Episode 22 review, here's Negan. Negan transforms from a uh, cantilevered joke in Fonzie cosplay to a three-dimensional character in one of the best episodes of The Walking Dead ever. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, for the most part... Uh, you know, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, if you needed any more proof on how great of an actor J.D. Morgan is, all you have to do is watch this single episode. If you've never seen him do anything else, if you just watch Here's Negan and the, and you see his, the different sides that this uh, actor can portray, a brilliant job by J.D. Jeffrey D. Morgan, for the most part, has been used poorly during his time on The Walking Dead. The actor has done his best with the material he has been given, but for entirely too long, Negan was a, was a caricature of a person, a goofy, swaggering cartoon, trying to sound tough, 
but forced to dumb down his language to avoid offending network sensibilities. It was silly, and while Negan might have been on a fan-favorite villain, he didn't exactly translate well to television in spite of my affection for both the character and the actor. He's been fine, but he's capable of so much more than he's had the chance to show as one of the lead characters on the most popular show on cable television. Now that is no longer the case. With Here's Negan, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was given a major opportunity to show off his acting chops, and he absolutely shines. Morgan is so good here that he might have been able to change a lot of minds about a character that was a self-parody for most of his camera time. A few, uh, sorry, a few weaker entries aside, The Walking Dead Season 10 has been one of the strongest the show has ever had. And to say that about a show that has lost pretty much every major cast member and replaced the supporting cast a few pieces at a time is remarkable. It's a testament to Angela Kang's skill as a producer and showrunner that a show that kicked off and outlasted a zombie craze has recaptured this much of its glory this late in its run without Rick, Michonne, or Carl. That's an excellent point. Even these bonus episodes have been mostly successful with the less interesting ones still serving as interesting enough character pieces to fill in gaps or give hints as to what might be happening in the upcoming season 11. No character has needed that revitalizing attention more than Negan. Hints of his origin dropped throughout the series and comments and asides. His wife died of cancer. His bat is named after her. He used to be a gym teacher. Separately, they provided pieces enough to inform opinions about the character. But when all those details got weaved, into his intense backstory, it goes from just character details to creating a fully-fledged human being. Um, Emerging out of caricature, stripping back the details to get to the heart of the whys behind his biker jacket, his slick-back hair, his talkative swagger, his destructive rages, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Hillary Burton Morgan take David Leslie Johnson's uh, McGoldrick's incredible script and breathe life and honesty into a heart-wrenching, sad tale. And you guys got to admit, that bedroom scene in the end, when he finds her turned, if that did not tug at your heart, I don't know what to say. That was pretty emotional. Twelve years previously, Negan finds himself on a life-or-death mission, waylaid by bikers. Negan has to get away from them to get the vital chemotherapy drugs Lucille needs to continue fighting off her cancer. He has been gone too long, scavenging for food, seeking out the traveling medical team that he heard about. 
a team that might not even exist after one last good night together and his wife distracts him for long enough that the drugs warm up in the ice-filled freezer and lose their effectiveness. He's desperate, she survived well into the apocalypse, and he knows how to give her the infusions and tend to her through her nausea and pain. He just needs the drugs. Uh, you know, the weed. <laughs> Let's not forget to mention the weed that, you know, they smoked. So, you know, to ease her pain and whatnot. Uh, and now that he's gotten them, he can't let a bunch of bikers stand in his way, even if that means betraying good people to bad guys just to save his own skin. The episode moves easily back and forth through time with little touches of Negan-esque humor, the Chiron denoting Negan finding the doctor as two or three days ago is a nice touch. Twelve years earlier, two or three days earlier than that, six weeks back from that, and finally seven months back from that, the episode moves easily and logically through scenes as Negan tells his story to the doctors, to the bikers, to himself, and to us. The relationship between Negan and Lucille plays out between them. Negan, no job or prospect to speak of, having an affair with his wife's best friend when he's not buying $600 jackets and playing video games all day, Negan reading a book to his wife while she receives her chemo infusion, Negan trying to rob an armed caravan with an unloaded gun only to get a kiss from Lucille, the bat, for his troubles. Negan tried, uh, sorry, Negan tied to a, to a chair, begging for the chance to save his wife's life. Negan in tears, promising Lucille that he'll never give up while she tries her best to tell them that he's done enough and that he's become the person she always knew he could be, even when he wasn't sharing a dried-out joint and a meal of dog food, Negan rushing home to find out that he's too late. Uh, Teresa writes, he changed so many members' minds in the Walking Dead group last night. Members who did not like him were feeling differently last night during the live chat of the episode they were admitting they were seeing him differently and fell in love with him during this one episode his acting was phenomenal and his wife hillary was fantastic cc says him talking to the kids on the game headset was hilarious he was and lucille walks in and she's like are you talking that way to kids it was like teenagers i think that was a hysterical th uh, hysterical scene. Anyway, continuing on, uh, anchored, anchored by a brief framing device where Negan leaves Alexandria to avoid Maggie's wrath, then returns to Alexandria in spite of Maggie's wrath. Here's Negan is a beautifully touching, beautifully tragic story 
that is familiar to anyone who has ever watched helplessly while a loved one died before your eyes. Negan won't quit because Negan can't quit. Any little hope, no matter how small, is enough to keep fighting, to dig heels in, and to try even when there's no reason to keep trying anymore. Even when the person who is dying is giving you permission to move on with your life without them. The episode is basically a two-hander with Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Hilary Burton Morgan playing off each other, and the sequences that the two share carry a palpable weight and chemistry to them. Now, I don't know how many of you guys read this today, or it was yesterday, but, um, you know, Jeffrey Dean Morgan revealed that he was very nervous to actually share the screen with his real-life wife. They've never done this before, and he was, you know, kind of weary of how going to work with his wife would turn out. For us, as the viewers, it turned out great. And they did share, if you follow their social media feed, they had a lot of fun doing it. They, those two together, had a lot of fun shooting this single episode. So, good for them. When Negan has tears in his eyes because of the pain he put Lucille through, it feels real because we've seen her crawl into his arms and give him a hug and tell him it's okay to let her go. Both performers play off each other beautifully, and it's pretty clear that the emotional connection shared by their real-life relationship and their shared bond over health difficulty bleeds over into the fictional words of Johnson McGoldrick without distracting from them or overwhelming them. And you also got to give props to Hillary. She did a fantastic job portraying Lucille. Lucille, somebody that we've, for those of us that read the comics, or, and for those of us that just met Negan on the TV show, you know, bringing Lucille to life was a big task. It was something that I don't know how many people could have pulled off. And them picking uh, JD's wife, Hillary Burton Morgan, was an excellent choice. She showed off how truly a great actress she is. And I hope a lot of people watched her and we get to see her in a lot more upcoming movies, TV shows, you name it. You know, she deserves it. Khaleesi writes, This episode hit so close to home, so I'm really empathized with Negan. I totally understand, Khaleesi. Um, welcome to K4 uh, on Instagram, Wildfellow, giving us a thumbs up. Laura Belzi does a good job of keeping things restrained as appropriate for the characters. In a few Neganish touches, the way he grins at the bat, for example, the first time he puts on the leather jacket, when he's standing over a biker, he's tied to a chair are very deftly handled. It's the early stages of Negan finding that the character he'd become later and there's still a human Negan in there somewhere grieving for his lost wife 
and blaming her death on the people in front of him. The death of Lucille at her own hands, taking the choice, taking the choice out of Negan fits with that character. She forgives him and she won't let him kill himself trying to stave off the inevitable. Negan's use of the fireplace in his chill-out cabin as a way to say his goodbye to his other Lucille is fitting, a good way of physically showing the psychological action of Negan coming to terms with the character he was and the person he really is. Maybe the people of Alexandria will still see him as Negan, the bat-wielding savior who put them through hell. Maggie certainly does. There's nothing Negan can do to change that. Just like there was nothing he could do to keep Lucille alive through both cancer treatment and zombie apocalypse. He tried his best on both counts, and while he might not win the fight, he made a promise to keep fighting. You don't keep fighting, sorry, you don't keep fighting by hiding from people who don't like you. I love that line. I'm going to repeat it. You do not keep fighting by hiding from the people who do not like you. You can't redeem a character by hiding him in the background. Negan will face his demons head on, and while he might lose, he will go down swinging. And that's exactly why the last few seconds, the last several scenes of yesterday's episode, throughout a whole 50 minutes worth of a great episode, was my favorite. The way they wrapped it up was absolutely amazing, and I loved it. Um, so, just looking over the chats, Riddish is with us on um, Instagram uh, as well. Uh, Khaleesi writes, uh, and only his wife, they, uh, they could have pulled off those scenes. You're right, you know, those two are married in real life, and you could really feel and sense the chemistry that is between them. So, it was totally awesome. Now, bloody disgusting. Uh, the headline goes, The Walking Dead delivers one of the best episodes to date with Here's Negan origin story. And like I mentioned, you know, we got his origin story with Lucille. We got to find out, you know, who he was like uh, in brief glimpses from the flashback within the flashback. But there's still more backstory to be told. Uh, the backstory that's left to be told is what happens after the flashback that we saw yesterday ended from when we met him, you know, being the full-on leader of this group called the Saviors. That's a lot of time that passed. And uh, how did he stroll in? From little hints that we got through season seven and eight, he basically found the sanctuary. It was falling apart. Nobody was a clear leader. He came in, basically became the leader, uh, got everything organized in his way, which was not the right way, but he got it organized. 
he found a way for them to eat. Again, not the right way, but he did it. All right. And uh, going back to that flashback scene, when the flashback was getting close to the end and he was coming back for revenge on those bikers, they were, they were, they had their shitting pants on. You know, his favorite line about having your shitting pants on. He just came in and like the Terminator just started taking them out one by one. Uh, he had he had them pissing in their pants. And uh, I thought that was freaking amazing how they did that. So with this article, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's Negan first smashed his way onto the screens during the season six finale. The infamous episode introduced the iconic comic book villain alongside a highly controversial cliffhanger. Oh my God, that season six cliffhanger. I remember how much everybody hated that, having to wait eight months to find out who Negan takes out. When the season seven premiered, finally came along, Morgan, uh, Morgan's Negan had his moment in the spotlight with arguably the show's most disturbing episode. The death of fan favorites Abraham Ford and Glenn Ree at the hands of the villainous character sent shockwaves through The Walking Dead and its fandom. As we've discussed before, that's the episode where a lot of people just never watched the episode, any episodes after. A lot of people stopped watching after that. And like we said last week, we did an article on, you know, that explains to people how they should give it one more chance and how I totally agreed. I think if the people that left after that season seven premiere were to go back and watch season 10, uh, the show would get back a lot of its fans that had lost in that season seven premiere. Anyway, Negan quickly rocketed to the top of everyone's most hated villain list. The following two seasons focused on the sinister character's antics alongside his pesky crew of saviors. Season 7 and 8 are certainly some of the most divisive in the show's long-running history, but the interest in Dean Morgan's twisted performance was a constant throughout. Flash forward into the show's refreshing 10th season, and Negan is well on his way to redemption in the eyes of Alexandria. After effectively backstabbing Whisperer leader Alpha and helping Daryl take down second-in-command Beta, Negan has continued to prove that he is a valuable ally to the survivors. Things seem to be going well for the reformed character, until Maggie Ree, widowed by Negan himself, returned to Alexandria. Once again faced with someone who uh, has been extremely affected by the actions of his villainous ways, Negan struggles to figure out how to prove to Maggie that he is a changed man. And like I mentioned earlier, I think it's futile. Uh, at best... At best, between those two, they might, might be able to just find a way to coexist. 
unless something really dramatic happens where Maggie comes, you know, to an inch of losing her life and he's the one that either A, sacrifices himself for her or saves her life in another way, uh, could she possibly, possibly not forgive, but, you know, start treating him differently? Forgiveness is not going to happen. So that's where Here's Negan, directed by Laura Belsey, comes into play. The six bonus episodes of The Walking Dead, season 10, have been rather hit or miss, ranging from the aimless adventure of Diverged to the downright chilling confrontation in one more. Here's Negan is the one finale to the extended season 10 run, closing a chapter on the show's most intensive season yet with a deep dive into The Walking Dead's prominent big bad. Morgan has portrayed Negan with a hefty amount of charisma and charm for the majority of the characters run, yet since the show's season 9 time jump, he has conveyed a softer side of the character. Excuse me. Rarely are such twisted antagonists given room to grow and reflect on the errors of their ways. Here's Negan does exactly what all these bonus installments should have done, and that is providing an intimate and focused exploration of a complex character. Loosely based on the comic run of the same name, Here's Negan, depicts the origin of the character, including his relationship with his wife, Lucille, played by real-life wife, Hilary Burton, and his first outing with his trusty barbed wire-wrapped baseball bat. The narrative is told through a series of interconnecting flashbacks, each going farther and farther back into the past as Negan reflects from a small wooden cabin Here's Negan feels as if it exists as its own short film, mostly featuring an entirely new location, cast, and editing style. To top it all off, Bear McCreary's beautiful haunting score surrounds the visuals with the perfect audio component. The Walking Dead is at its best when it embraces its iconic history that audiences have experienced over the past 10 years. Negan's self-reflective journey kicks off with a trip back to the infamous tree where the war between Rick's group and the Saviors ended in Season 8. That was great that they went back to that location. I thought that was pretty cool. And that stained glass, that stained glass window is still hanging eerily amongst the empty field. It's nostalgic and powerful sequence, placing Negan back at the place where his life was spared and the endless cycle of war was broken by Rick and his team. It feels like a monumental locale in the history of the apocalypse. After digging up his trusty baseball bat, Negan begins to reminisce on how he got to this point. So there you guys have it. Uh, An excellent way to end season 10 that lasted two years of The Walking Dead. Now we're on to season 11. 
this coming Sunday is the premiere of Fear the Walking Dead. We are in the middle of an awesome season of Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, now it's time to put The Walking Dead to rest a little bit. Uh, by the way, season 11 is premiering at the end of August. We do not have to wait till October to start watching season 11 of The Walking Dead. I believe, Khaleesi, what was the date that you told me earlier? Was it August 22nd or something like that? Is when um, season 11 of The Walking Dead is going to premiere. So, yeah. Yeah, August 22nd is the date that season 11 of The Walking Dead is going to premiere. Now, for those of you guys that have AMC+, Plus, as of yesterday, the uh, second half of... Uh, Season 6 of Fear is available. So now we go into the rest of Fear of the Walking Dead. Like I said, Fear of the Walking Dead is in the middle of its best season by far. So time to put the Walking Dead aside for a little bit. Switch gears, get into Fear. And uh, by the time that ends, it won't be that long until Season 11 of The Walking Dead begins. It's a final stretch. It's a two-year Season 11. So, we have a lot of Walking Dead coming in. So, I want to welcome Sabrina. Uh, Sabrina says, I need AMC+. Plus. Yeah. And this one week early for the premiere, it's only for the premiere. Uh, starting with next week's uh, episode, which would be, you know, this premiere. In case you missed it, this premiere that we're getting Sunday for Fear of the Walking Dead is actually the mid-season finale that got delayed because of COVID. In two weeks from now, is we're going to see the premiere of season 6B of Fear the Walking Dead. So we're going to get to see the finale and the premiere of the mid-season back-to-back, both directed by Michael Satrazimus. So it's going to be a real treat. Anyway, guys, we are out of time. Uh, this hour just uh, flow, flies by as it does every night. Please check out our website, deadtalklive.com. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this show, if you want to be a part of our live audience, please, uh, you can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, or Twitter. The show starts 9.30 p.m. Monday through Friday. So if you want to come in, chat, be a part of our interactive audience, that's uh, when you can find us. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Tomorrow we have a special guest. Um, uh, Madison is going to be joining us and we're going to be talking about horror. It's going to be an interactive interview tomorrow. It's going to be a, an interview like we have not done yet on Dead Talk Live. So you're going to want to tune in for that. Anyway, guys, stay safe. And until tomorrow night, stay walking. Good night.